Our scripture for this morning comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. And uh, if you're using a pew Bible, that's page 811, Matthew 6, verses 1 through 4. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. This is the word of God. We're in part three of our series on, on money. It's a, we're doing a brief series this summer um, called Treasure. It's not just about money. It's, it's about all that we value you know, we want to, we want, after our series on resurrection, we want to do something very kind of more earthy. Um, and how we handle money is how can be more earthy than that. And um, in part one of this, ser- um, of this series, we talked about how we give our treasure, we give our money to that which we worship, right? which we most deeply value. And last week, we talked about hunger. <laughs> this this uh, it was a very important message about bread and hunger and fear and that there's a temptation that we look toward bread which is really about money (laughs) that we think that the that the money will will solve this problem of hunger today we're going to talk as we um, as we move through the the um, gospel of matthew um, you know looking at various passages we're looking at something that um, that i'm sure you all know and um and you all know this, and in one sense, it's a very basic message that uh, you know you don't even have to be a Christian to know that this is part of our calling. And many people who are not Christians know this is our part of our calling. We're going to get, we're going to talk today about how a portion of our wealth, of of our of our of the of the money that God has given to us, needs to be given generously, willingly, um, to the poor. That's what we're going to talk about today, giving to the needy. And I've entitled that message, Giving to the Lord. Because you want to know how, we're going to talk next week about how we are to be um, generous to God. How we are to be, um, we are to be, we are to invest of our riches into the things that are eternal. And do you want to know a very, very practical, you know, I haven't really hit that message yet, but today really what I want to get at is, how do you give to God? Um, one obvious way is to give to his church, but actually even more fundamental than just giving to his church is giving to the needy, giving to the poor. That's the way the Bible puts it, right? And so um, let's get at this in this passage um, in three parts. Part one, giving to the needy. And then in part two, giving in secret before your father, right? That's the way Jesus talks about it. giving in secret before your father, and then part three, spiritual poverty and the secret of giving to the Lord. 
of giving to Jesus. Okay? So let's get into this. Part one. Um, so I don't know if you know this. For those of you who may have not read through, uh, you know, all the Bible or big chunks of the Bible, there are very few things that are as clear from the Bible as this. Um, it is all throughout the Bible. <laughs> it is just chalk through the Bible. If you read through the Bible and you somehow miss that God cares about the poor and wants us to give to the poor, and, you know, and, and we're talking about giving every kind of way. Give your time. Give your attention. Give your consideration. Give your talents. But today we're particularly talking about giving your money. Absolutely, you know, we, it's not, not less than that. A lot of you in this room, you know, this is a very intense city. You have long work hours. Some of you have, like, r ridiculous commutes. And then we have a lot of responsibility for our children. Um, you may have, you know, very lack of time, at least maybe in this season of your life. It's understandable, okay? But um, at the very least, give your money. <laughs> give your money is, is, a, is, is, a, is a calling from God. So what I want to do is just, just give you just a few, just a few passages so you can see how incredibly clear this is in the Bible. So first one is Deuteronomy chapter 15. Deuteronomy chapter 15. Um, can we get that up there? Deuteronomy 15, verses 7 through 11. Now, um, I don't know if you know this, but Jesus quotes Deuteronomy more than any other book from the, from the Old Testament. And it's because... the the book of Deuteronomy is God's law that he gave to, you know, there's five books that he gave to Moses, but it's the one that speaks the most about from the heart, that we ought to have obedience from the heart. So now listen to this portion. It says here, if among you one of your brothers should become poor, so this is how we're talking about the, the people of Israel, your brothers, right? In any of your towns within your land that the that Yahweh, the capital L-O-R-D is Yahweh, is the name of God, that Yahweh your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother. But you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. That's a pretty strong standard, isn't it? Take care lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart. So it isn't just what you do externally. It's getting right down to the core of your being and how you're, you notice that there's, there's, the thinking is not just from your head. The thinking is from the core of who you are, your heart. The Bible considers your heart the core of who you are. Right? And this is what you say in your heart. The seventh year, the year of release is near and your eye look begrudgingly on your poor brother and you give him nothing and he cried to Yahweh against you and you'd be guilty of sin. Now let me just talk for a moment what this is about. There's another command in the previous verses right before this verse. And God commanded that in the seventh year, it's called the year of Jubilee. There's a practice. This is the economics. This isn't just religion. This is economics. This is a, a law from the king who is God. And he sets down this law. And the seventh year in Israel, all debts are just forgiven. That's it. Wouldn't that be incredible? So are some of you guys in um, school debt? Are some of you guys in credit card debt? Can you just imagine that you just count down to the seventh year and just, boom, it's over. <laughs> it's Wouldn't that be incredible? That's the law. So, and then now, so that's the law 
for if you're poor. Because how do most people get really poor? Through debt. You know, you get sick, and then you can't make your payment, and then you lose your house because the doctor's bills are too good. That's just how it happens in America. Guess what? It's happened throughout history. And so this is what happens. And this is what it's saying. The seventh year is next year. <laughs> so you know somebody, so you, you know, like, I, I don't want to give to this guy who's poor because next year it's going to be all great for him next year. He's poor and in debt. So this person's in need right now. So next year, though, it'll be great. And then this is what God says. Don't you, say, don't you dare say this in your heart. Next year, he'll be in good shape. So I think I'll just keep my money in my pocket. If you do this, he'll cry against God to you, and you'll be guilty of sin. That's what the pastor's saying. It's serious business. It's very, very serious business. The seventh year, the year of release is near, and, the, uh, and your eye look grudgingly on your brother, and you give him nothing. You'll be guilty of sin. Verse 10, you shall give to him freely. That's the command. And your, uh, um, and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him. So you, you notice, I, I want to give you a little tip. Anything that the Bible thinks is important, it repeats. You notice, don't give grudgingly, don't be grudging. <laughs> you should give to him without being grudging. It's repeated. Because for Yahweh, your God will bless you and all your work and all that you undertake. For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you, you shall open your hand, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy, and to the poor in your land. That's what it says. Now, let me say a little something to you. Some of you go, oh, my goodness, we live in this really hard city. It's really expensive, and, you know, I need every single cent. I'm sorry, I, I just can't give to anybody else because we're just hurting ourselves. Right? You know why you're hurting? It's because you don't trust this. Let me stick it to you really hard and simple. You do not believe God. You and I, all of us, how we live this way in the secular city, we live in the secular city because the secularity means we don't need God. We just do it ourselves. It's a cage. It's a cage of blindness. And in the secular city, we, we really don't give from the heart, anyway, to the poor. Now, there, you're like, how does this go back to Matthew chapter 6? Jesus says, when you give to the needy. That's what he said in Matthew chapter 6. When you give to the needy. You know why he says that? Because Jesus completely understands Deuteronomy. He knows the Bible. He does not disagree with the Bible because guess what? He's God. He inspired the Bible. He's the fulfillment of the Bible. So when you give to the needy, he assumes the scriptures. And when he says this, it's just, this is how you do it. Of course, this is, of course you give to the needy. So it's not a question of if you give to the needy, it's when. When you do this. So that's, that's what, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about how because that's what the passage also talks about. But I just want you to know that Jesus commands us, you do it. And it's really serious. <laughs> There's a promise, and it's not a promise just to the general Israelites, all of Israel to the nation. It's a promise to you, to the individual person who belongs to God's people. You, you encounter someone who's hurting and is poor, and then how will you respond? How will you respond? And if you do this, Will you be blessed? Will God see you? 
So when you know Jesus says your father will see you in secret and he will reward you in secret, it, you know, it goes back to this passage. It goes to a passage like this. He knows whether you do it or not from the heart. And then will he bless you in all of your work? Jesus, that's, that's a crazy promise. Never see, because he will bless you in all your work and all that you undertake. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 10. Right? Now, it's not like some kind of special deal. I did this, and then God, now you owe me. You know what it is? It's a love deal. Will you love the things I love? Will you care about what I care about? And then I'll take care of you because I'm your father. See, that's how it works. Let's look at a couple more. Just, 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 you know, I want you to really see this, okay? Um, Proverbs 14, 31. Proverbs has like all these little verses. And most of us, you know, if you read through Proverbs, they just kind of blip in, in and out of your But there's a lot of verses about how we ought to handle money with the, and then especially particularly the poor. 1430, whoever oppresses a poor man insults who? God, his maker. You insult God. You want to insult God? I think that's like the last person you want to insult, okay? So how do you insult God? Do you like put a middle finger up at him? No, you insult him by oppressing the poor. I don't oppress the poor. How about if you ignore the poor? How about you deny them what God calls us to deny? What to exactly to do? But he who is generous to the needy honors him who's him, God. Let's go to Proverbs 19, 17. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. That's weird. It's really a weird thing. God doesn't need anything. But he's saying, if you do this for that person, you'll do it for me. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. And then this is really interesting. And he will repay him for his deed. That sounds a lot like Deuteronomy chapter 15, doesn't it? Because it is. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Let's give me one more. And then actually, and then, I'll, and then let's go into a little bit of practical, right? Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. This is from Matthew chapter 5. Verse 42. It's just a few verses before our text today. <laughs> Who do you think said this? Jesus. Jesus said this in the same context. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. And you know, he didn't say anything like this. Give to the one who will beg from you only if he's not an alcoholic. <laughs> Give to the one who would beg from you only if he doesn't smell. Give to the one who will beg from you only if you don't suspect that he's a lazy person who deserves to be poor. He didn't say any of that. He just says, if they beg from you, why don't you give to them? That's what he says. I, 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 when I was a teenager, I, I read this article in Time Magazine. When I was a teenager, Time Magazine used to actually be a, mag a magazine worth reading. Now it's kind of a junk magazine. But back then, it was actually a serious piece of journalism, and, and this, they had this long cover story on how do we take care of the poor. I mean, it's not even just a Christian thing. And then in the middle of the article, it said this thing that really kind of, because I had your, your, your typical kind of conservative view. It's like there's a deserving poor, <laughs> and then there's like bad poor people who are just lazy and wrecked their life. 
and we shouldn't give money to the bad poor people. That's what I thought when I was about 14 years old reading this article. And then it said, there are, and then it said this in Time Magazine. But there are some Christians, they don't, they don't really think about it like that. <laughs> they just have heard this verse, and they cited this verse. Right, and Jesus said this, so guess what? They don't, they don't really question it. They just do the best they can to obey. And I read that and I said, wow. I learned the Bible from Time Magazine. <laughs> Not weird. Secular liberal, um, you know, when I was 14 years old. Okay? Now let's get practical. Are you guys feeling the guilt? You feeling the guilt? Anyone feeling the guilt in the room? Oh, just you know, gosh, you're getting kind of scared? Well, good. <laughs> if you read passages in the Bible, and you don't feel any guilt, and you don't feel scared about this stuff, then are you reading the Bible? <laughs> are you paying attention? Because I'm scared, <laughs> and I'm the pastor. <laughs> I'm a professional Christian. I know these passages, and I've, I prefaced this all week long. I know I'm going to this. You know, weeks ago, when I know we're going to go to this passage, I'm going, ugh. Just, just so great that passage. Just, I just love preaching because, you know, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I mean, and who wants to follow a hypocrite? I mean, so I know I have to obey this too from the heart. And I know I don't obey this from the heart. I just told you that I learned this from Time Magazine, citing Matthew chapter 5, 42, when I was 14 years old. And I still just, you know, like, ugh, just look smelly, lazy dude. Give to this guy, right? Um, just, uh, I, I've said this to you in the past, you know, um, so I want to I offer you a, f a few things, all right? I wanna, let me offer you um, uh, a passage, all right? Um, this is very, very helpful, for, again, from the Bible, from the Bible. Right, um, Leviticus twenty-three, twenty-two. Okay, so we all need balance, a wise balance. What is a scriptural balance in God's eyes? So He knows you need the mortgage or your rent because I mean, in our city, the rent you don't even own the house, but the rent is nasty. Okay, it's just that's the way it is. Okay, and I know that, and I know that. Some of you have school debt, some, in some case, very, very serious school debt. And then you have tuition and you have piano. I, 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 I think about piano lessons regularly. You know, I, I, I think about this thing and I look at my kids and I'm thinking, there's not real talent there. <laughs> <laughs> and this is thousands of dollars. <laughs> okay, I mean, to be honest with you, my kids are just average, okay? No, 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 no real gift. They're not bad, you know, they can sing in tune, they seem to have rhythm, but this is thousands of dollars. <laughs> and it's, and I, I, I think about this, okay? And so the Lord knows these things. And he, he knows gas prices are, are, are up. He knows these things. And by the way, in, in a couple weeks, he, there's, a, there's a promise, just later down the ch um, chapters, the Lord knows you, knows all these things, and he will provide for you. It's, if you want to just check it out, just really, I won't go there right now, but Matthew 6, verse 30 to 32. Just look at those verses. It's there. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? What you wear, what you're going to eat, what you're going to, you know, your clothes and your food. He knows that you need these things, and he provides for you. It says that right there from the mouth of Jesus. 
And in your life, has he done that? Hasn't he done that? And then he calls us to do these, you know, I mean, I haven't even talked about tithing. <laughs> I haven't even talked about tithing. And then he has like, like, these hard, heavy verses. It seems hard and heavy to us anyway, because we're so, you know, like, oh, money, I need money. I gotta, and it's like, we look at money as our hope in our life, and without this will be nothing. And, but we're supposed to give from the heart. He knows. Well, let me offer you this first. Leviticus um, uh, 23, 22. And when you reap the harvest of your land, so there's an important practice called gleaning. It's very, very practical. And when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, nor shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. That's like the outsider. You know, we're not supposed to be racist. See, God's even back then. He's not, he's not racist, okay? I am Yahweh, your God. You know who's saying this? You know who said this? I'm God. <laughs> God. Yahweh, my name, says this. You know what he's saying? So we don't really understand this because we're not farmers. But what it's saying is, you know, you, 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 you farm your land, and then all the fruit comes out, and the wheat comes out. And when you go out there, you go out there, pass, and you, you, you reap. You, you take on everything you reap, you know what that is? That's your wealth. That's your wealth. And then you know what I'm saying? Don't, and then, when, then some of it you don't quite get to the edges. To the edge, you didn't quite get the, you know, you, 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 you're trying to get every piece of wheat or whatever. Some of it you didn't quite get to the edge. And you know what he's saying? Don't go back for it. That's what he's saying. Don't go back for it. What is that principle teaching? There should be some margin in your life. Some don't get every penny. I, I, some of you, and, and, I'm, and my wife and I are like this too, they, they, there actually is a, a sociological term for it. It's called toxic maximalizer. <laughs> toxic maximalist. Did you hear that term? Toxic, toxic. It's toxic, okay? Tox the, the secular, wise people, and it's wise. You try to maximize every single dollar, every single minute, every single everything. Don't do that. That's what it's saying. And yeah, the Lord provides. It's your land. He, he let you use it. It's your wealth. You work for it. But don't get everything from it. There should be some place in your life, some margin. I don't know what that, I don't exactly know what that number should be. I'll, I'll just tell you how I think about how I do this. I think, um, you know, I think tithing is basic. It's just a fundamental basic thing. 10% you give to the Lord. But then I actually think, and some of that 10% goes to the poor. But I actually think, this is how I see it. Not everybody entirely agrees with me on this. But I think there should be another 1% or 2 or maybe 3% that's just somewhere in your life, one or two or three percent, that's gleaning. You just have some extra money, and it's always there when the poor come into your life. And that's what it's for. That's what it's for. You just don't maximize all, all the way. Ten percent. I think a minimum, that just belongs to God. That just belongs to his kingdom, for his gospel. And I'm not trying to make this a law, and we'll talk about this again next week. I'll give you some more practicals next week. But this is kind of how I think about it, and this is how we try to practice it. And so let, let's just talk about that, that situation. 
You're walking down the street, poor guy there. You give to him. I don't always do it. But you know what? I just, but I do sometimes. I just, I just have this quick little prayer. Lord, should I give to this person or not? And then I just, I just get a sense from God. And sometimes I hand him a five. Often if it's, if, if, it's a, if it's a woman, especially an old woman, because God cares about widows and those who have been abandoned and, and, and failed by their men, honestly. Usually if it's a woman, especially an old woman, I'm pulling out like a 20. <laughs> if it's like a dude, it's like, it's like 50 cents <laughs> or nothing. Okay, that's kind of how I think, right? And that's just beggars. And there's times other things. So let, let's, let's offer a few other practicals, right? How else can you give to the, you can give to the church? There is an interesting tension. Some people go, I give to the church, and that gives to God, and then something else is for the poor. That's not the, really the way the Bible looks at it. I mean, I, I, you know, we have, just for the sake of time, there's p- places in the Bible where portions of the tithe that go for the temple and go for the tabernacle and for the work of God's kingdom, that goes to the poor. And guess what? Our church does it too. We have chunks of money that stuff and that we invest toward the poor and in all kinds of interesting ways, not always direct. Some is very direct. Some of, there are people in, 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 you know, there are, especially some of our sisters, went straight to City Team Ministry, fantastic ministry. Some of you gave cans of food to the, the food drive just this month. Wonderful, right? But um, how about Bishop, the Native American ministry? You, do you know, it's just incredible poverty on, on, on the reservation. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> this week, they're running around right here now. There are three boys from the Native American reservation. They're in town. They're at our church. They're worshiping right there. Some of you, some of we've asked some of you to host. And then that means you will feed them. That's money for the poor. They're poor. To be honest with you, they're poor. So you can give to the church. Um, another way to do this, let me offer it to you, is stop just thinking about it as, as an individual. I, I have to do it. It's on me. It's all on me. It's not all on you. It's not all on you. It's on us together. And then guess what? There are people out there that God has called to do incredible ministries of mercy and that help the poor in incredibly great ways. So don't think, think about us giving as an individual to an individual because we all know that giving 50 cents to or $5 or even $20 or even $100, let's say you give a lot, which probably isn't maybe the wisest thing to a beggar on the street, right? But, but that, that isn't the most effective way to help that there are other ways. How about if you plan and you specifically say, you know what, I care about crisis pregnancy center. I care about people who have addiction issues. I care about refugees. That's another way. You know, do you know, I, I don't know if you know, again, back to Bishop. As a piece of training for our Native American team, there are members of our church. As a piece of training, they went to go do some serve, um, a, a group of co- folks that I didn't even know about. We learned about this through this training called Karen Refugees. You know who the Karens are? They're these incredibly poor, downtrodden people that have been oppressed and murdered in, on the borders of Myanmar and Thailand. And so the U.S. government said, you can come to America and be, be safe. A bunch of them live in the East Bay. <laughs> and 
members of our team from our church as a piece of training to learn cross-culture, came to love them, serve them, offer help to them. So there are things like this you can do. But so you, you can get to the church. Think of gleaning. You can get to the church. Don't just think as a gift to organizations. Maybe pick one or two organizations, even outside the church. Maybe they're Christian. Maybe they're not Christian because some great work for the poor is done even not by non-Christians. And decide, I'm going to glean to them. I'm going to glean to them. Okay? Um, they're, they're, I, I listened to a podcast called The World and Everything In It. It's a Christian podcast. Every year they have this thing called the Hope Award for Effective Compassion. <laughs> That's what they do. And then they, you will hear about organizations all around the country who do amazing things. Amazing. I'm, I'm telling you, I, I listen to some of these stories, and I just start crying. I'm, I'm driving to work in the car, and I just start crying. <laughs> and, and, and I'm like, you know, I, I was like, I, I need to give money. I start thinking, I need to give money. I wish I had more money. Okay. Um, one more practical tip. Have a plan. Have a plan. Okay, please have a plan. You know that you obey God somewhere from the heart. We cannot fix everybody. <laughs> you certainly cannot, as an individual, you certainly cannot fix and help everybody. So have a plan. So help someone who's poor, some camp that's poor. And then you don't have to feel so guilty. Because the reason we feel guilty is because we have no plan and no, no way of obeying from the heart. And thus, we feel guilty. Rightfully so. <laughs> All right, that was, that was uh, part one. Let's go to part two. Let's go, what else, this, this next portion that Jesus says, giving in secret. So, um, the basic thing, you give to the needy. But he also tells you something about how you do it. It's very important. And it goes really to this question of giving from the heart. He talks about giving in secret. Don't be trumpeting yourself and what you do. It's, 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 a very, it's a famous verse, and it's a very odd verse. Don't even let your left hand know what your right hand... I don't know. I, I always forget if it's left or right, okay? But even one part of you is not even supposed to see the other part. That's how secret it should be. And so, like, I generally wouldn't even tell you about this 2% thing. or who, who, I, I'm not going to tell you who I give to you, but because I'd be violating this thing. But I just, as a pastor, I kind of have to tell you. It's not a boast, Right? Because, I mean, I, 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 I wish I give more. It's not a boast. Right? It's just my poor and, you know, stumbling way to try to obey and believe and trust and follow Jesus. Right? But there's this question, um, why? <laughs> why do you do it? And um, do you do it from fear, guilt, obligation? A little bit of guilt is a good thing. It just means you're human. And it means you haven't seared your conscience. It means you know that when you look upon someone who's hurting, you should care. Right? So a little bit is good. But if, you, if that's pretty much the only way you do it, then, then, then you and I, you know, we're just broken. And a lot of us, that's where we're at. It's the guilt that's, like, that's kind of a it. Right? But how about it gets even worse? Do you do it so that other people can see you do it? How about do you do it just so you can prove to yourself and maybe to other people that I'm okay, that I'm a good person, and that I'm, I'm, I'm a good enough Christian? I'm a good enough person. And that's kind of, or, or even worse, 
You, you do it in front of other people because this is really interesting. There are people who give even very serious chunks of money to the poor, but they do it for this, this reason, to trumpet themselves and for other people. And that's actually probably what a lot of really, really wealthy people do today. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting. I gave uh, really millions of dollars, and somehow it comes out in the news that they gave millions of dollars. Now, I don't know if they did that on purpose, but like, I don't know why it ends up in the news. All right. I don't know how the news people know. They shouldn't know. Right? But it's literally happening in our city, and it's not an uncommon thing. It's a very, very human, kind of a gross, prideful, hypocritical thing. Right? But, um, but I want to ask you this question. Do you do it in secret? And this is the way he put it, before your father. He didn't even say God. Before your father. Before your father. I want you to stop for a moment. Are there things that you would do before your father? I'm talking, think about your earthly father. That you would do in front of him, and then there are things that you would not want to do in front of him. Aren't, aren't there things that you would be fine to do in front of your father, and things you would not want to do in front of your father? <laughs> One of the things that you should not want to do is something that your father would look at and go, what is, come on. There are plenty of things that I don't want to do before my dad. My, I'm talking about my earthly dad. That if he could look inside my heart and know what the motives are, he would be ashamed of me. <laughs> and that I would be ashamed of myself. Because it would be so gross before my dad. But do you understand that acts of supposed righteousness that you do, you always do before your dad? <laughs> You know that? It's just a much more important dad. And we're not talking about God, the judge. We're talking about your father. And you remember that series that we went through a little bit earlier this year about your identity? That, that we don't just do this because that there is a law, but we do this because we're sons and daughters of our dad. And he sees... In secret, that's the way Jesus put it, but actually it's not really secret. It's just secret to everybody else, to people. But it's just a secret because it's just between you and your dad, your heavenly dad. And I want to ask you, will you do these things before him? See, it's, it's like, well, we're going to write even back to Deuteronomy 15, from the heart, with no kind of like ugly, begrudging thoughts in the heart. Like, I just want to do this. Now, let's close this message. Some of you are sitting there going, oh, gosh. <laughs> I don't give much money, and I'm not even sure I really want to. <laughs> this is hard for me. It's, and some of you are thinking, it's really hard for me. And, and then you're going, oh, gosh. Now you're just reminding me that it's like, if I do this, and then God's right there, and he's like right there, and like, I don't really want to think about that, and I'd rather just not think about that, and I'll just worry about whether other people see me, and, and then you know, I'll, I'll just do that, okay? But I don't even know if I can do How can you give like this? How can you and I do this? And in this last portion, I want to offer you a secret. So... Here's the last passage I want to offer you, which will help you. I hope it will help you. Matthew chapter 25. Again, from the mouth of Jesus. 
Matthew chapter 25, verse 34. All right. Then the king will say to those on his right. So this is the context. He says at the end of history, there will be a king. He will put the sheep on the right and the goat on the left. You guys don't know you understand what this is about, right? The goats burn. The sheep get praised. This is how he puts it. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared from you for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king, and you guys know who the king is, right? It's Jesus. <laughs> it's really interesting that he calls, and the king, when he's talking about himself, he knows he's talking about, and I, <laughs> and I will answer you if you're one of these guys. Truly I say to you as you, you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers. You did it to me. You did it to me. Um, there is this uh, documentary of Mother Teresa. I was like this white Western journalist, you know, sophisticated person. Put a microphone in front of, like, um, Mother Teresa and asked her, you know, this is after decades of, 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 of of loving and ministering to the, the like the bottom rung of Indian society, and just why do you do this? You know what her answer was? She goes, because I want to love my Jesus. <laughs> if you do this and you give, you are giving to Jesus. <laughs> you know it's very hard for us. Um, it's, you look at the person who's poor, and you're like, I, I just don't want to help that person. <laughs> I, I don't like, you know, name some class of people. You know, we, we, there are certain kinds of poor people we favor, and they're just some, for whatever reason, you don't like this set of poor people, whatever. Drug addicts, no thanks. I mean, I don't know what it is for you. Certain skin color people, no thanks. Okay, you don't want, we don't say this out loud, but it's just kind of, it's all in there, right? All of us, it's all like this. I mean, it's like this in me. I won't tell you which ones that are in mine, but it's in there. I'm admitting to you, it's in there. It's ugly. All right? This helps me. When I give, I give to Jesus. But then you're sitting there going like, gosh, this still makes me feel really guilty. <laughs> what if I don't want to give to Jesus? It's Jesus. I, I see this person. Okay, 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 the Bible told me it's Jesus. Jesus told me it's Jesus. And I know I'm supposed to love Jesus, and I sort of do, kind of do, most of the time do, but not right this moment. I don't want to do it. Hmm? And, and I know that that's the way it is. That's, this is what it's like, right? You're like, how is this the gospel? It doesn't seem like the gospel. This seems like salvation by works, by performance, not by grace. Of course it's the gospel. 
I thought about it. Years ago, I read this, and this, this is Matthew 25. You guys know the next portion of the passage. He turns to the goats. You did not clothe me. I, I, you know, I did you a favor. We didn't read the scary part. You did not visit me in prison. You did not feed me when I was hungry, so be cast out. Cursed are you. I mean, the awful part. That's the scary part. I didn't read that for you. But let's just focus on the good part, okay? Um, you know what this is? If Jesus says, if you did it to me, if you did it to the least of these, you did it to me, he's really saying the gospel. How is that the gospel? Um, you know, at the end of the day, if you only give to the poor just because you're supposed to, you're not believing in the gospel. You're just a legalist. <laughs> It's just, it's a kind of legalism. It's works righteousness. It's like fear, fear, or like pride. Fear, I got to fulfill the law. Pride, oh, look at me, I'm so good. That's all there is, okay? Um, but why does Jesus, so, let me ask you this question. Why does Jesus identify himself so closely to the poor? Why does Jesus say that if you did it to the least of these, you did it to me? Why is that? Because that's the gospel, <laughs> If you did it to me because I'm the least, because that part's the gospel. Here's how it's the gospel. Um, most of us, when we think about money, we think, I have money. That guy doesn't have money. I'm not poor. That person is poor. I'm not going to give up my money because that person's poor and it's his fault or whatever, or something like that, and I just don't want to. Or maybe it's not their fault, but I just don't have that much compassion or I'm short today. Huh? Because we put ourselves in the not poor camp, and on that person who's in the poor camp, on the basis of money, on the basis of economics. But Jesus does not look at us through the lens of economics. When he said, I came and identified with the least of those who are poor, you know who he's talking about? He's talking about you. He's talking about me. You can have a billion dollars but you could be desperately, horribly poor. You could be completely, utterly lost. And when he says, when you did to the I have met people with lots of money, and they are some of the most broken, terribly hurting people. You have like, rich people who commit suicide. You have rich people who are depressed and addicted and in despair. So, Who's he talking about? So I wrote this down, and we'll close out. <laughs> if your life and what is important about it and what is really the source and salvation of your life is money, then money's your God, money's your Savior. Then your riches and your money is what makes you okay and not poor. But if you remember that in ways far deeper and more important than money, that you were poor in righteousness, in hope, in love, in mercy, in truth, in goodness, in beauty, poor in forgiveness. All that makes life really life. Because you were and I were desperately poor apart from God. Then you remember that Jesus came first to give of his riches. He gave us himself so that we who are desperately poor can be met and ministered to by mercy and compassion from him. 
And if you remember that and believe that and give back to Jesus who gave to you first because we were poor, and when you do that, then your father will see you in secret and says, now you're getting me, son. Now you're getting me, my precious, beautiful daughter. Now you're getting us. Now you get it. Now you get it. And your father will see you in secret. And he'll pour out his pleasure and bless you. Let's pray. Father, a lot of times we're more legalists than sons and daughters. And it shows. It shows in our money. It shows in our budgets. It shows in our debt, even. And um, I, I, I have sometimes wondered, what would life be like if um, after every seven years, just debts are released? That's, it's, we, we live in such a lost world that that seems just completely insane and inconceivable. And yet, the greatest jubilee has been given to us. The greatest debt release has been given to us. Through the blood, through the payment, through the generosity of your son, our older brother, the first son among many sons and daughters, Jesus. And we thank you for that riches. And we thank you that every day you will provide for our mortgages and our credit card bills and our piano lessons and our health insurance bills. And you will pay for these things and you will help us do these things just like we learned last week that God provides. It's, it's not we control so little, but may we be faithful in what we do control. And may we be faithful to know your heart. There's a world full of hurting people, including us. May we remember, not be so filled with pride and blindness. I'm not poor, and you know I'm just going to keep this because it's mine. But actually, when we always remember, we belong to you. And we were poor, and you loved us in and through Jesus. May we learn how to give back to Jesus and love Jesus in and through the poor. Would you give us this heart? And all throughout Everybody who hears this message, may there be peace of repentance and forgiveness, I mean, and, and, um, and obedience, that we would receive your forgiveness and we would receive your pleasure. And you will bless us in all that we do, in our work, in our families, in all that we do, so we trust and obey you. Praise Jesus' name. Amen.